and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'll be real honest. Because we are in the trust tree today, right? You know what JG says about people that start a sentence by saying, I'll be real honest. They're anything but. Yeah, that's right, Polly. No, I'll be really honest here. Okay, great. The difference with these NFL head coach press conference is that we have the lie detector for the next four hours. <laughs> so you'll know whether I'm being honest oh, or not. No. When I say, I'm very surprised you even bring me back. Because okay. I'm just going to pound you for the next four hours. <laughs> It'd be sort of like oh my goodness. back in your playing days saying, yes, please, I'd like to go against Lawrence Taylor for the next four quarters. <laughs> It'd be like asking for another fight that you lost decisively against Richard Dent. <laughs> I'm honestly okay, shocked that I'm sitting here today based yes. on the track record of what I'm about to do to you. You know, it, it was incredible. You bring up Richard Dent right now. If I could just have... I, if I just would have been able to grab his no, face mask no, with Wolf. both hands, no, Paul. Uh-uh. With both hands no. instead of one, I would have yeah. been okay. That's I like, would have been no, all right. That's and akin I, to me I could saying, not, and I got destroyed. If What's only your point? I had different shoes. I could dunk a basketball. That'd be yes. like akin to me saying that. No, it's, uh, <laughs> is that your segue into the Suns? Is that what you want to talk are about? Are you right appreciating now, what I mean, you're seeing I don't out of know. Devin do we, Booker? Do, do you appreciate him? what we just witnessed? with Devin Booker as he put a 45-piece out there in an epic, stellar, splendicular Game 3 performance. Is this not akin, or at least shaping up to be, potentially what Larry Fitzgerald did in the 2008 playoffs? Yeah, you know what, Paulie? uh, It could be, and it typically, like, is, you know, accustomed to you, Paul, and how you like to operate. But, you know, I don't want to talk about... Devin Booker. I want to talk about the team first. Okay, the team. I know you're all about the individual, Paul. I understand that. We know where you're coming from. I want to talk about the team. Do you believe what you saw last night in regard to the Suns going out there and taking care of business, and yet this was a contested game? Was it not a contested game, Paul? What do you mean taking taking care of business would have been like they jackstomp them by 20 in the middle of the third quarter. They had to hang on the final few seconds. No, they won. They won the game, Paulie. They went about their business, and they did what they had to do to win the game once again. I I was worried about this game. This game, you want to talk about a trap game. You're walking in. All of a sudden, it's game three. This was a huge game. Just forget about Kawhi Leonard not playing. It was a huge game to me because it was game three in this series. It was game three. We all know what happened in the first two games. We know the Clippers were so competitive in game one, they ended up winning the game. <laughs> they won the game. And then in game two, it was a it was a very competitive game once again. A six-point lead with 302 left in the game. The Suns had a six-point lead. It was very competitive again. The Clippers are loaded with confidence, and that was on display more than anything else again last night. How confident is this team? No Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard, no problem. 
We're going to go out and compete. That's what they did. And the expectation of the Phoenix Suns, too. Everybody expected the Suns to win Game 3 because of Kawhi Leonard not playing. Everybody did. When you get that kind of pressure that is not only coming from the external pole, but also from inside each individual player knowing we've got to win this game, it it felt like a must win situation to me for the Suns. You say confidence, I say no pressure. I say the Clippers had no pressure, they had nothing to lose without their big two, so why not go out and just let it fly? And there it was, a 6 nothing lead to start the game. And like we were talking with Bickley and Murata, what did the Grizzlies do at home without John oh, Moran? Yeah. They got a big win. What did the Bucks do when they went home without Giannis? They got a big win. So, you know, right Why there. Why do you think that is, Paulie? Why? Because it puts everybody inside that locker room, everybody on their team. All the Clippers knew we're up against it. This is bad. This is worth, we could get run off the floor tonight. And they came out. And you, you know what? I give Ty Lu a ton of credit, Polly, but I also give every guy for the Clippers who played for them, who went out and balled out the way that they did. I give them a lot of credit because they made it a game. They competed, even though they knew our deficiency in talent is real. They went out and they were tough. You're giving everyone credit. I'm giving D Book credit. <laughs> Here he is on what he had to do early. I mean, we've been trying to do it in the first quarter. Um, we just haven't been able to get off to a good start yet. Um, but, you know, it's that time of year where you, you know, there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be ups and downs throughout the game. You just have to keep weathering the storm and, you know, just keep fighting through. Oh, man, that's what I love right there. Just legendary. Devin Booker, the way that he played, what he did. When you look at it historically, at least according to Stab Muse, he was legend last night. And then to hear him talk about it, I love just walk through it. Do what you've got to do. He's so under underappreciated, I think, when it comes to his intangibles and the way that he impacts so many guys around him. I just love, I, I could listen to Devin Booker all show, do you have more? Play it. <laughs> That's up to Maloney. What do we want to listen to next? Oh, I don't know. Uh, how about Monty Williams talking about how what Devin Booker did when the Clippers went small? Because that's what they did almost the entirety of the second half. When they go small, you have to take advantage of it. I mean, when they have smaller guys out there and the shot goes up, um, DA got some, Tory got a big one. Um, I think that's the advantage for us is to attack the paint, attack the basket, but also crash. And if we can get extra possessions that way, we'll take it. And that's what Tyron Lue talked about after the game. He said two things killed us. The free throws, because the Suns went up there and shot 46 free throws in this game. And then obviously the second thing, according to Tyron Lue, that killed him was Devin Booker, who was smart enough to know as soon as he got the basketball, he would split the double team that was coming his way. <laughs> and that's what Monty Williams was talking about. It's that basketball IQ between Kevin Durant and Devin Booker right now. The basketball IQ of a Chris Paul that yes. ultimately propels this team to a victory, even though Chris Paul will talk about that a little bit later, and the basketball IQ isn't matching the efficiency or the productivity right now, and of course the basketball no. IQ right now is compromised by DeAndre Ayton, but between D-Book and Kevin Durant, right <laughs> well, now that's enough that to get him to a win. That was kind of a cheap shot right there, well, Paulie. That was just kind of a cheap shot. I you had know? my own You're DeAndre Ayton the- moment this morning. <laughs> I'm driving in, right? And he does. I, I get it, man. I he mean, drives me nuts, too, sometimes. He does. All of a sudden, 
I found myself on the 101 South heading to Tempe when I was intending to go to the station here in North Phoenix. Oh, no. I had my own DeAndre Ayton moment where my mind just went on cruise control. Oh, yes. And all of a sudden, well, wait a minute. Where am I? Is that not DeAndre Ayton? In these games, yeah. what is he doing exactly? You know what, Paulie? We're going to get into that in a little bit more detail. From um, twelve points, Wolf, eleven rebounds, and zero I, I impact. Know, Paul, that was I, I understand that. We're going to get into that, Paulie. There's so much more to say about the Phoenix Suns and what happened in Game Three, pivotal Game Three for the Phoenix Suns. Cannot wait to talk about that, Paul. And I thank you for sitting in today. Next. <laughs> Wolf got ready for this show, listening to a lot of hard rock in the office next door. Hey, guess what? You can register to win tickets to see Foo Fighters on October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for all the event details and your chance to win. You know what? One segment into the show, it's sort of like the Suns. All of a sudden, they had to make an adjustment already. We need to bring John Bloom in to help Wolf out, <laughs> get his biggest takeaways from the Suns game three win last night. Calvisi in for Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bolly. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Durant again gets the inbounds pass and the Clippers will call off the dogs. They will let KD dribble out the remaining second and the Suns win. 129-124 the final score in game three of this first round playoff matchup with the Clippers. Suns seize home court advantage. I said seize. I love the way you say that. Home court advantage. I got to try and match the energy around here. Wolf thinks he's just going to bull rush me with energy. <laughs> Coming off last night in Jonathan Gannon, I'm ready here to match energy. <laughs> At the very least, I can do that. In fact, it's quite the opposite with Ron Wolfley to get things started. Didn't really make it out of the first inning without us having to go to the bullpen and bring in John Bloom to get some Suns analysis. <laughs> you heard the Suns broadcaster there with a final call. We'll get some thoughts here, right here, right now from L.A. John Bloom, how we doing? And what's your, what's your confidence level right now here? 2-1 Suns in this first round series. Ooh, uh, Paulie Pigskin. Thanks for uh, filling in uh, for, for uh, Lukey Coachella, wherever uh, he is right now. I'm picturing uh, what his afternoon slash evening is going to look like. Uh, and at the same time, I'm looking out and I can actually see uh, Earth across the way from the city and these big buildings in downtown Los Angeles. The smog has somewhat lifted. Uh, and I can use that as an analogy for this series because I do think the Suns are clearly in control uh, for a number of factors. Uh, and it's not all because they're playing great basketball. You know, John, it's funny because going into Game 3, I labeled it as a must-win and I reject myself for doing that, but that's <laughs> what I felt. I felt like this is the opportunity for the Suns to seize control of this series, especially when Kawhi Leonard was ruled out. I felt like it was a must-win situation for the Suns. They couldn't let that opportunity get away. What do you say? I say, uh, Wolf, that it's just a, a bizarre situation in the playoffs to have even like employees of the opposition shaking their heads the way they were when we got to work last night at the arena. Uh, you know, and just asking the, the question of, you know, did you guys know that this was coming uh, before we found out uh, that Kawhi Leonard wasn't going to play? And I got what you were saying yesterday about it being a must win. Uh, you know, kind of feel that way anyway when you split the first two at home and you've got to go regain or seize home court. 
court advantage back, as Paulie would say. And I think that that's right on the money. So it, it's a very important, pivotal game three, no matter what. But then you add that whole uh, factor to the equation, which is that uh, kind of mental warfare, if you will, because you have to fight that nature in you, which which is just that we should go run these guys out of the gym. You know, everybody yes. felt that. And yet you're not going to because they're still highly trained professionals and they happen to be the deepest team or at least one of the deepest teams in the NBA. So we've been talking about that all year. Clippers are so deep. Okay, well now they're putting all that depth to the test. And boy, Norman Powell step up and Russell Westbrook turn back the clock and all those things happen so that they can stay competitive in that game last night. Uh, and yet the Suns really never felt like they were out of control of that game, at least in my eyes. So is that a concern? Should that be a shocker that the degree of difficulty was extreme? It was still a three-point game with 90 seconds yeah. to go in a game where Devin Booker ultimately went for 45, shooting 18 to 29 with zero turnovers. Uh, well, how do you process that, John? Well, I think I have to look at it, Paul, like we did maybe, you know, if, if you want to use football and, and go back to you, you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald and that amazing run he had in the playoffs in 2008, but it's each win was, was what was important, right? So in football, it's a win and you move on. You don't necessarily break it down and say, oh, well, this is concerning or that's concerning. You got to win. You're still alive. You survived and advanced. In basketball, the best of seven series kind of tilts that. It's like every game is its own, you know, series, if you will. And uh, and then it changes the whole narrative. So with last night's win, now the Suns have home court. Now they're up to one. I'm looking at it as that was a W and that's what matters most. Are there concerning things about this team? If you want to say uh, flash forward to a matchup with the Denver Nuggets who look like they're playing as the best team in the West, which they have been all season. Sure. I mean, if you wanted to look ahead, but I don't think the Suns are doing that. And frankly, I'm not personally doing that. They still have a mountain to climb here with the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, and yet I think they're in a good spot to do it. I don't want to lead you at all on this one, Johnny, but talk about Devin Booker, and where do you put this game in terms of his playoff performances? I mean, it's right up there. It, the, the thing about it is, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, you went up against the, the Kawhi and Paul George-less Clippers team. That's always going to be kind of the caveat for that. But if you look at, you know, the, the high-scoring games, I think this was his fifth 40-point game. His highest-scoring game is 47, so it was only two shy of that. But it was the way he did it. I mean, it was a master class again and being able to score at three levels, get to the rim, uh, do it from the free-throw line, and the long-range shots were dropping. And it's just such a beautiful thing to watch. I know you agree with that, Wolf. And, yes. and you know, I, I just look at it as, you know, we're getting a chance to see one of the finest artists that this game has seen. We've seen him grow up. We've seen him expand every single year to that game, to that, you know, kind of magic bag that he has. And uh, it's just, uh, I think one of the things that's most tantalizing right now is, if you, you talk about flashing forward, is if he can continue playing at this level. And that's a lot to ask because he's not only playing so well but all the minutes that he's yes. playing uh, right now which is well over 40 per game through the first three uh, I don't know how sustainable that is but if he can sustain it the rest of the world is going to really get a, a, a better look and idea about just how good Devin Booker is now they know Kevin Durant is an absolute bona fide superstar but when you see the way KD is deferring to Devin Booker I think that's something that will be eye opening to folks if they haven't had a chance to 
watched the Suns play yet. And you mentioned the rest of the world. We're on board with John Bloom, Suns broadcaster. For the most part, the rest of the world, their last memory of Devin Booker was Game 7 a year ago. And a Game 6 flame out as well. How much do you, of that do you think is driving D-Book in this postseason? Oh, no doubt. No doubt, Paul. I mean, I think it's that it's that coupled with, uh, you know, the way it ended the year before that, uh, with how well he was playing all the way through those playoffs to get the Suns to the finals against the Bucks. It's that with all the first, you know, six years of trials and tribulations with this basketball team before he started experiencing the success that he has the last couple. So I think it's all of that. Co- and then you have to give the credit to his upbringing and, you know, his one year at Kentucky and, and everything else that he's done to get himself in this position but um, you know I, I just think it's it's fantastic that he's able to do it at this level he's contributing as much as anybody else is right now to their team's success across the NBA. Johnny any concerns from what you saw last night? Yes. Oh I'm sorry you go ahead John. <laughs> <laughs> is your name John? Uh, you know what <laughs> I think uh, look I, I am not as concerned as I know a lot of people are uh, about the production slash engagement level of the big fella. I, I think DeAndre Ayton's going to be just fine. I'm still waiting for his bust-out game, and I think it's coming. Um, and I just, I, I think there's this, uh, I mentioned deferring, and you can see the way Kevin Durant has kind of inserted himself into this team, and we're still getting to know how that's all going to look and, and operate. And I think DeAndre Ayton is part of that process. Last night was the first time that I really noticed Kevin Durant making a point to feed D.A. I mean, there were maybe three or four possessions in a row where he was looking for nobody else but 22 when he brought it up the floor. I like that because I think as long if they if those two develop a connection, that is going to be what elevates DeAndre yeah. from an offensive standpoint, especially because he's going to get a lot of good looks. I mean, KD, it's, it's not just uh, the fact that he's seven foot. It's the vision, the timing, and he turned it over a bunch last night. I'm sure he's kicking himself a little bit for those uh, miscues, especially in the first half, uh, but my entire Anticipation is that that connection gets sharper between those guys, and uh, and we will see that bust out game from the big fella. As far as concerns, um, yeah, I just think they need to continue to to dial in uh, their own offensive and defensive approach. They're still a work in progress, as we can see, and uh, the fact that they're up two games to one is a pretty good spot to be, considering you're a work in progress. What about the bench, though? They got outscored thirty nine eighteen bench points, and that's the Clippers, even without Norm Powell, who went for forty two as a starter. I- and we right. talk about sustainable, the bench and, and D-Book obviously are interlinked. They are, and look, I don't, I'm not sure it's going to change, Paul, at least in this series, uh, because of the way that uh, you know the, the Suns are operating with their rotations uh, and how much minutes they're giving to their starters. And so, uh, you know, they're making an effort to keep the starters on the floor even when they do bring in guys. Uh, and I thought that you know, they, they got great contributions again from guys like Josh Okogie and Bismack Biombo last night, uh, and, and hopefully they can mix in some of the others too if needed. Uh, but right now, it seems like. You know they're really putting the onus on the starting five to do the bulk of the offensive scoring and and really uh, the bulk of the play. And I think that it's interesting because the Clippers again uh, against any team, the Clippers are going to get bench production. This is what they do. They're a very deep team, so you expect that. I also think that you would like to get a little bit more production, especially offensively, from the Sun second unit. But it's going to take them getting the chemistry. We talk so much about the off the, the starters. 
uh, still working out their kinks and getting together. But the, the second unit now with the tweaks to that group also have to get familiar with the guys that they're on the floor with. And I think that's all kind of this process. And, and my expectation is, look, this could last a couple months, right? Hopefully yeah. <laughs> we're still talking about this in a couple months. And if it does, like, I think it's going to be a totally different look. Let's even say two, three weeks from now, if they're still playing basketball than it is right now. All right. Wolf's telling me to wrap it up. He's not the boss of me. I got one real quick one. I'd ask you about Kawhi Leonard. Nobody has a clue. What about Chris Paul in that right hand? There was video of him with a wrap, I think, on the pinky finger of his right hand, and then he went out and shot five of 18. What do we know? I think that might have been just him thinking about it a little bit because uh, we were talking about it on the broadcast last night. Uh, Tim Kempton actually had a little breakfast yesterday with CP oh. in the room and they were chatting and uh, Chris told him that, yeah, he was feeling much better than when he did after the game. He was talking with Tim and Al about it uh, the other night when he did definitely uh, bang that finger and, and he did have x-rays and they were negative and so that eased his mind a little bit and clearly he was good enough to go out and play all the minutes he played, but yeah, it was and a great shooting performance, and that's an understatement, and hopefully he'll bounce back as well. Uh, we got not a lot of time to get ready, like 24 hours and a little change yeah. before uh, Game 4 tips up. Johnny, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Really appreciate it. And remember, Johnny... You guys have a great weekend. In L.A., it's not smog, it's haze. The locals call it haze. Just tell Kempton that, okay? He doesn't want to get on the wrong side over there, so appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, well, then why is it so darn hard to breathe here, Polly? <laughs> hey, we can't, we can't answer everything around here. John Bloom right there. Text us your Thank thoughts you, to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Devin Booker, legendary, epic. Has he hit a new level? Is it sustainable? All that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Now Booker steals the ball from Zubats, takes it the length of the floor and jams it with both hands. Devin Booker feeling it tonight. 29 points in L.A. And the Suns have a 10-point lead for the first time of the night. Here's the key to Game 3. Devin Booker. Yeah. Here's the key to Game 4. Send Devin Booker Wolf's opening comments about how it was not about <laughs> Devin Booker. And it was all about the team. It is about the team, Paul. No! It's no. always about the no. Paul, stop Wolf. it. Wolf. He had 45 points on 18 of 29 shooting. He had seven rebounds. He had three steals. Stellar defense. He had a couple of blocks. And how many How many turnovers? He really did, Paul. He had no turnovers. It was the Blue Tarskis. 0.0 turnovers. And you're saying mm, Paul, it was a team win. Yeah. Paul, stop it right now. Think of your kids. Okay? Your kids are out there. They're they're listening, Paul. Okay? You're, you're really gonna say that it was all about Devin Booker. It wasn't See the about shots the- that I took. Like a um. Yeah. Listen, it was a great performance by Devin Booker. As a matter of fact, I think it may be the best playoff game I've ever seen him play. Of course, Vinny disagreed with you on that one. He did, and I understand that there are multiple. Okay, he he only scored forty five in this game. The Lakers game that he was citing, of course, he scored forty seven. Mm-hmm. I understand that, but there are two ends of the floor. Are there not, Polly? Two ends of the floor in the game of basketball, the offensive end and the defensive end, and Devin Booker defensively just continues to shine as well. You mentioned the numbers, Paul. Think about the numbers right now. 45 points based on only six rebounds, three assists, three steals, 
two blocks and zero turnovers. Okay, to me, again, did he have the ball in his hand a lot, Paul? Sure. Oh, he had the ball a lot. Point book a lot. A lot. And you're telling me zero turnovers from Devin Booker. Stat Muse says that has never happened in the NBA mm. in a playoff game. Stop and think about that, Paul. That's why I, I I throw it right up to at the top. I'm not saying it is. We could sit here all day long and argue that. But I'll throw it right up at the top of his performances in terms of the playoffs. And the, in the second season, what he's done, the fact that he did it on both ends, and he did it without a turnover as often as he had the ball. And oh, by the way, shot 66% from the field as he was scoring 45. So we learned two things from our interview with John Bloom, at least two different things. Number one, TK, Tim Kempton, went to breakfast with CP3. And according to Tim Kempton, NBA insider, CP3's hand felt better this time around than it did earlier in the series. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you thought about that right away when you saw him hit that jam his finger and he was holding his hand. Paul, would you say that's an area of concern in the postseason? When you go to get an x-ray on something, it's probably not 100%. I don't care what the x-ray says. If you're motivated to move to get an x-ray, then obviously there's an issue. (laughs) The second thing we learned from John Bloom was when I asked him about to what degree last year's end of the Mavericks series is propelling Devin Booker at the start of this postseason he said absolutely and then when D book sort of explained his mindset right then you understand exactly how meaningful it is to him I love it Uh, you know this is this is my life Um, I I dedicate you know my whole entire life and I have since a kid to to this sport and this game so you know when you have it going like that you know on the big stage you know there's nothing else you can ask for So when you hear all the media types, once again, posing that question on the talking head shows, right? Who's the best player in this series, Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant? (laughs) Do you think Devin Booker processes that? Do you think that's a catalyst, maybe just maybe, that motivates him to this sort of epic, legendary performance yeah you know what paulie i honestly say yes you can say yes i I honestly agree with me no did you hear what he just said though this is my life i i honestly believe that the way devin booker plays the game of basketball says who he is as a man i think devin booker believes that now listen, that's something later in life you might have to deal with, Buck. I'm just you might have to go through a process right there because it can. You you don't want it to identify everything that you are. Right now it's very very tough not to do that. This is my life is what he was saying. There are so many guys who take the floor and they take the floor for money. And then there are other guys who take the floor or take the field base on means or whatever it may be because they believe. It says who they are as a person, as a man. My performance tonight is going to define me. They, they're internally motivated myopically to a degree that a lot of people can't understand. And I think Devin Booker is one of those guys. What does Kevin Durant think of Devin Booker and his stellar night? Here's KD last night. Uh, all time, great performance. You know, playoffs like that on a road game three forty five with that efficiency, like it's almost uh, expect stuff like this from him at this point in his career. But he set the tone. You know, getting to the rim, making plays for others, just controlling the whole game. And we gonna need him to continue to do that going forward.
It is the first time in NBA playoff history a player has reached all those thresholds, all the numbers that we gave you in regard to Devin Booker with zero turnovers, according to StatHead. I had it StatMuse, it was StatHead. Now think about that. In other words, the 38 he posted in Game 2, ain't nothing but 38. So to what degree does the D and KD stand for D-Book? Are these guys a package deal? And to what degree is that why Devin Booker is having this stellar playoff series? Here's the head coach, Monty Williams. I just feel bad for Kev sometimes because he's... He's an expensive decoy out there. <laughs> he, he's standing at the 28-foot hash, and the defender is right in his face, and that gives Book a number of opportunities to attack the basket. Um, and even when we run him in actions, you know, as a misdirection, you know, sometimes two guys go with Kevin when he comes off of a screen, so that opens up the floor for everyone else and he's big you know he's you know, six eleven and so when a guy like that who can shoot the ball with that kind of efficiency is coming off of a screen or spacing the floor you have to pay attention to him so what do you do if you're tyron lou what you just went and overplayed kevin durant no and it cost you in your defense of devin booker who by the way was smart enough to recognize especially in the second half that they're going small sure and i'm just going to take it straight to the cup because they don't have a rim protector out there that's the basketball iq but there's no doubt and no denying that his ability to split those double teams when they run at him comes in part because everyone's overplaying kevin durant to begin with yeah it could be paulie once again but this was a competitive game and you know what i I think they're going to continue to do whatever they're doing and hope they make more shots and by the way the biggest threat to the suns right now isn't the clippers it's not the warriors it's not the nuggets it's devin booker wearing down it's devin booker being able to sustain this into june that's the biggest threat to the Suns right now. Paul, that is a really good observation by you. Just stay up all night thinking of that one, Paul. Well, you might want to take notes in this next segment because one of us was hanging out with Jonathan Gannon last night. It's a name drop, by the way. Yeah, I and, know. I saw you. In his first offseason, by the way, as Cardinals head coach, uh, we'll hear what he had to say. And uh, I'm going to tell you where the Cardinals are at and how many phone calls they got this week alone on number three overall. That's next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yes, sir. The answer is double digits. Double digits. Okay, double what is digits. the question, Paul? How many phone calls would you estimate that you and Monty Austinfort received this week asking about the number three pick overall? Oh, my goodness. I would say double digits for Monty Austinfort. Me, Paul, none. You said you included me, that, oddly enough. Well, that why do you weird. keep channeling I, I the entire show through <laughs> you? We're talking about the Cardinals number three at all, overall. And, yes, and you, what, right, what do you mean? Paul. You, what do you have to do I, with this equation? You, well, you said, uh, you know, how many calls did you and Monty field? <laughs> I okay, see. So, all right. right. I don't know why you were including okay. me, Paul. I'm going to save you and ask you about the uniforms okay, last wait night. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you actually, what do you have in your hand? I have a card. <laughs> I have a card here. Is this, are these your cue cards from these, last night? No, I have some. I have some keywords written down here. It's multiple choice. You Show ready for Mel. this? Show command and control. Here's what some I'm notes talking from last night. Right there. Oh, 
Here's these are your multiple choice words. Okay, okay. Paul. You choose. We all know you hosted last night, Paul. We all I know didn't say that. you hosted. I'm setting you up right now, and I'm asking you which one of these words were applicable to last night's uniform reveal. Okay, the unveiling. Okay, of new threads. On what was it? It was 18 years to the day since the Cardinals has last it introduced. Years? Oh my! When goodness. Fitz and Kurt I Warner honestly, out there I and Carlos Dansby and Dockett and all that. Yes, Paul. Yes. So in today's vernacular, because we have to update, you know, the language out yes. there with Gen Z and the millennials, would you say last night's uniform reveal, um, would you use the word fresh or clean, lit, yeah. hype, sick, um, dope, yeah. chills, fire? I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go lit, Paul. Lit. How about lit? Okay. Lit. There you go. Um, you know what? Honestly, I don't care about the uniforms. I want to say yes, that you first do. and foremost. I know. I, I really I want to say this, Paul. Um, I know you. You're big on this, Paulie. You know, anyone who watches how you dress and how meticulous you are and being buttoned up and your blazer you had on last Mal, night. Mal, is the lie detector well. on right now? And when Wolf says he doesn't care just, about the uniforms, the guy used to have everything hanging off his uniform. <laughs> I mean, he spent no. an inordinate amount of time dressing up his uniform when he was a player. That's <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I would not buy that. Play along with a place. Okay. You. I mean, blow my, my face off. Can I just say yes? I had my own style. I did. Thank you. Well, what kind of uniform I was wearing? I don't even care. As a matter of fact, I love the Cleveland Browns uniforms. The brown, I did. They were nasty. They were ugly, as a matter of fact. And that's the way I want to go out and play. Nasty and ugly on the football field. <laughs> all right. Not all pristine. Look how nice I look. There were a lot of guys who cared about that, Paul. There are. Sure. There's a lot of guys. Oh, look good, feel good, play good. Most of them were in the offensive huddle. Um, You know what? Get out of the huddle if you're going to feel that way. If you're going to, oh, I look good, play good. Feel good. Well, okay. No, no. As a matter of fact, you're getting your face kicked in out here. Yeah, but you got to look. The you whole, look good. Look good. You're feel getting good, killed. Play good. And then, you know, it's all about your personal brand okay. as well. That's why you got to make sure everything is just right. But going back okay, to the nasty. Going back, can I also say this, Paul, since you bring up going back? Can I also say this here? Because I want to go back. Uh, the, the road uni was my favorite. Did you see this, Space and audience? The, the road all white. uniform. All white. And I mean clean. This house is clean. See, the it players. Clean uniform. They love one. Every single player said they love one color. They don't like red pants and white tops or white tops and red pants. They want yeah. all one color. Okay. That's today's player. That's kind of cool. Interesting. Like it. So it was all white, it was all, all red, it was and all, all black. And, and the number was so clean as well. I know Dave Passion. I know you, Paulie, is a play-by-play guy. Okay. These play-by-play yeah. guys, they love those clean numbers oh, yeah. that you can see. And it, it helps when you're an analyst and you're getting a little, <laughs> you know, your eyes are bad. Okay, anyways, I love the fact it was so clean, but Holy, the all white. Oh, man, let the blood roll. Let the blood roll. I used to love it when blood was on my pants. I used to love it when your hands would bleed. It's one of the reasons why I never wrap my hands. I wanted them to bleed because I'd hit somebody in the face or your knuckle and you just, it starts bleeding, Paul. I don't know if you've ever played football, tackle football, Paul, but you start bleeding when you play it and then you could wipe it on your pants and it would just be all over you. Wipe it on your jersey. Yeah, it's blood. I used to love the fact that I'd wear my teammates' blood. 
Squad as well because they knew I liked it. They'd come up all they'd wipe the reins on my dance. It was pretty cool, man. I hope you tipped the equipment crew at the end of the year something fierce based on all the blood they had to get oh, out of your uniform. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Bloody all sheets. Right. So are those guys who have blood on the uniforms, and then there are those guys who have blood as a mindset. Yeah. Here's the head coach last night on how he's trying to install a certain mindset. We're two weeks in now, and I think our players already have a very clear understanding of what is expected on a day-to-day basis. And you're not really worried about the result. You're really worried about the process. So um, it's just like when you guys go to work, if you got a task to do or complete that day, you're not worried about the end task at 5 o'clock. You're worried about how am I going to get there. So um, we we deem it as winning behavior and non-winning behavior and uh, a lot of good winning behavior in the in the building these last two weeks. Did you hear what, what he said right now? What are you reacting to? <laughs> what is going on? Okay, he said it's not the end result. Focus on the process. I, JG, the stuff that JG says. I, ah, no, please no. This just makes you happy when you listen to JG. Focus on the process, not the end result. Here's the problem. How many times have you heard me say that over the last two decades? I'm filing a protest with management over the use of this song because only yeah, one of us has yeah, actually yeah, seen yeah, Allison Chance yeah, in concert. Yeah, only yeah, one yeah, of us has been there. Sweat on him from just, the front row. It makes you happy. It makes you just do it wherever you are right now. It just way, makes you happy. I saw Allison Chains live twice, just to let you know. Um, Here's okay. the thing: you know the what, guy who was hosting this event in my last face night. As often as you do, because we'll, it's starting to bother me a little bit, Paul. There, there are what it's the coaches saying. There are two kinds of players out there: those that are humble and those who will be. Yes, humble, humble. It's my job here today because there's another H word that really you've come in awful haughty. You're haughty. And so we're going to take you down a peg or two. We have a new head coach in town. And, uh, you know, the guy who was throwing some of these questions at him, he threw out there, "Mm, geez, uh, Jonathan Gannon, um, do you believe that a team takes on the personality (laughs) of the head coach? I think the team takes on the personality of the team. And that's up to us to kind of lead the way, but the players ultimately take it over. And I'm very excited about the people that we have in the building right now. Um, It's kind of cool to nudge the ball forward and let them run off with it. So uh, I think that the team will take the personality of the team. Yeah, that's beautiful. And by the way, you were the one who asked that question, Paul. Interesting. Okay. Um, You know what? Uh, This is something that I love. It's the psychology of the locker room. It is. You, you hear me talk about culture an awful lot. And you, you've you got to control culture as the general manager of a football team and the head coach of a football team. You set the culture. You know how you set that, Paul? You know how you do it? I know this is, you know, this stuff is pie in the sky to you, Paul. You, you know, the best part about rooms, you giving us a lecture on culture I, is we're up against the clock and we're only going to get 30 more seconds of this. Can I just Go tell ahead. you right now, honestly, you, you set that culture by going out and looking for individuals who are that culture. Oh. And then you bring them in. You bring them in. And by the way, that has nothing to do with how good you are. 
or how bad you are. That has nothing to do with with your superstardom or not. It has nothing to do with that. It's a human being that can play the game of football and do it at the NFL level that you're looking for, and you're going to bring him in. And guess what? That's exactly what Monty Ford and JG have done. They have gone out and brought individuals in. And then they set the culture inside that locker room. But you got to look for them first, Paul. You got to find those guys who love the game of football and love what they do. It doesn't say anything about their skill level or their talent level. It says an awful lot about them as an NFL player, and that's what they've done. They went out and signed a bunch of one-year contracts and two-year contracts to guys that have got five, six years in the NFL, seven years in the NFL, guys that have been around, but they're not superstars by any stretch of the imagination. That's because J.G. and Monty Ossonfort want to set their culture culture first you're telling me that like i need to know that like yeah, i don't well, already Paul, know that there's a lot of things you need to know Pacedonians, wolf likes to jack his chair way up so he's up above you and he likes to talk down to you <laughs> literally talk Paul? down to you who was the guy who asked jonathan gannon a follow-up question as to why he signed kaiser white and zach pascal and josh woods all guys who embodied that mindset with their play and their mentality out on the field and in the locker room and you're telling me as if i have no clue and I need to be Paul, educated on that front. By the way, if you have not met Polly, he's got a chip in his heart because everybody talks down to him. What up, Kyle Rizzi? <laughs> by the way, Wolf, a little bit later, I will share with you my high school highlights. I came into uh, some game film, uh, Leland High School against Willow Glen back in the late 80s that was on YouTube. So I'll show you all my high school highlights a little bit later. I know you can't wait. Hey, there was no letdown <laughs> with Kawhi on the bench in game three. So what does it mean for game four? It is Wolf and Luke Calvisi sitting in. Pinch hitting on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.